0: Well, today, we're going to ask an important question that comes from a biblical account in John chapter 5, where Jesus asks the question, do you want to get well? Let's look at the passage together. Beginning in verse 1, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now, let me just stop there for a moment in the story to, to kind of give you some, some context here. Uh, the Sheep Gate was a, a pool of water and a, a kind of a open door but covered outside pool area where a lot of people in the southeast corner of Jerusalem coming into the city used to lie around. Now, depending on what translation of the Bible you might be looking in, if you have a King James Bible, it's going to go on to say, waiting for the waters to be stirred because periodically an angel of the Lord would come down, stir the water, and the first one in the water was healed. Now, that particular phrase and extra verse is uh, not in many of the oldest manuscripts and and some of the, the more incredible manuscripts. What the thought is that that was added later on by scribes in order to to justify this idea of stirring. But then others hold that the the tradition was was true, and that's why they put it in there, was that an angel would stir the water. Now the pool was a natural Springfield pool, and uh, it probably had a red tint to it because of the minerals that would come in, but the people believed that this pool had healing powers. And therefore, they would hang around the pool. They would sit around the pool waiting for the water to be stirred, whether by an angel or whether by a force, a surge of water that would stir the pond. And then as the the theory went, as the tradition went, first one in the pond was healed of their infirmity. So lots of people used to lie around this pool waiting for this occurrence to happen. So one who was there, verse 4, had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, it seems like a strange question, doesn't it? And he said, do you want to get well? I mean, the guy's hanging around a pool where people are trying to get well, and Jesus says, do you want to get well? Well, I want you to hang on to that thought and that question because we're going to come back to it here in a moment. But as the story goes on, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now, let me just pause again to note that When Jesus performed miracles, and the same was true with the disciples who He empowered to to perform miracles, those miracles were sudden; they were instantaneous. Uh, Unlike we see today in a lot of so-called healing things, where people kind of struggle up and they take their first, you know, faulty steps or or whatever. I mean, when Jesus healed, Jesus healed. And then also, one of the sad things about faith healing through history has been that many faith healers would say of people who did not get healed. What what did they say about that? They said, well, they didn't have strong enough faith. Their faith wasn't strong enough to be healed. Well, here, this guy had no idea what was about to happen. This this wasn't a matter of faith. This was a matter of Jesus doing what Jesus was gonna do. Now, he had a reason for that that I'll mention later on. So, Jesus then asked the question, do you want to get well? Now, as we kind of dissect this passage today. We have the same question. Jesus asked him the same question for me and you. He's saying, do you want to get well? I wonder, is there an area in your life that you've been struggling with that you really want to get well? But you've been struggling with it. You, you've been unsuccessful. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a diet issue. Maybe maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a relational issue. Might Might be dealing with some kind of uh, addiction. But do you want to get well? Well, in this story, as we break it down, there's a formula for getting well. And I want to share it with you today because I want you to know that if you're struggling with a situation, and right now you're saying, you know, Pastor, I really do want to get well. You can Now, let me give you some guidelines on how to do that from this account in John chapter five. First, if you want to get well, you've gotta make up your mind. You gotta make up your mind. Again, he went to this man and he said, do you want to get well? Now, I said in the beginning, it's a strange question. I mean, the answer should be obvious that yes, the man wants to get well, but wait a minute. Now, Scripture says this man had been in this condition for 38 years. Now, I don't know if he had had the condition all his life or or if something had happened to put him in this condition. But for the past 38 years, he was paralyzed. In those 38 years, over those 38 years, he developed a lifestyle that enabled him to deal with his infirmity. Now think about this. For him to suddenly be well after 38 years of being an invalid brings some challenges with it. I mean, he probably has no skill. How's he gonna earn a living? He's been dependent on the benevolence of people who have come and shared food with him and shared money with him and have taken care of him. And now, if he gets well, he's faced with creating an entirely new lifestyle. Do you know that many people stay in unhealthy, dysfunctional lifestyles because they fear changing? They fear the future. They fear what, what might be happen if they were able to break out of that dysfunctional lifestyle. And so many people are satisfied to stay right where they're at. They're not happy. They're not comfortable. They're not at peace. But they have developed a lifestyle that enables them to survive. And so for Jesus to ask this question really wasn't as strange as it would originally appear. He says to the guy, do you want to get well? And for those of us who are struggling with something today, Jesus says to us, do you want to get well? Because getting well is going to demand some changes. Getting well might involve initially a painful process. Getting well might mean going into a future that is not as secure seemingly as the lifestyle that you have right now. So if we want to get well, the first thing we got to do is make up our mind that we don't want to stay where we're at. Second, we have to stop waiting on others. What was this man's initial response when Jesus said, do you want to get well? He basically blamed others. He said, sir... I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He says, yeah, I wanna get well, but I I can't get well because all these people, these other people here, they, they don't care about me. And when the water stirs, I'm trying to get in, someone gets in ahead of me. Now notice that apparently he couldn't walk but apparently he wasn't a quadriplegic because he said, when I'm trying to get in. So, in other words, he had a way to get in. Now, I don't know about you, but if I really believe <clears throat> that when those waters got stirred, I was going to be healed. I've been an invalid for 38 years. <clears throat> I'd be sitting on the side of that pool. The minute I saw that water go, boom, I'm in. <laughs> but he said, other people are getting in my way. And the same is true today. So often we say, you know, I really want to get well. Husband might say, but that nagging wife of mine, she just drives me out of my mind and I, I, I can't do anything. Or a wife may say, well, you don't understand that, that pagan husband of mine. Or the kids may say, my parents drive me out of my mind. Or the parents may say, my kids drive me out of my mind. Or it's that boss or it's those coworkers, or you don't understand the family I grew up in they're keeping me from getting well they're in my way even though i want to get well and and i would rather live a different kind of lifestyle i can't because of somebody else well see if we really gotta want to get well we gotta stop blaming other people now other people may have influence in our life granted i know they do but they don't have total control over our life And even the control that they may exhibit, God is bigger than. How many believe God is bigger than anything else? See, we got to make up our mind that we want to get well. And then we have to stop waiting on others, either for them to do something. Well, you know, when my husband starts treating me better, then, then I'll be able to get well and I won't eat so much or I won't spend so much or I won't whatever. Well, if when my wife does what, you, or when my boss, or when I get a new job, or when I, my coworkers, see, we, we got to stop that blaming, and we have to stop waiting on others. Well, I'd do it if, if my wife would do it with me, if my husband would do it with me. I'd do it. Listen, want to get well? Got to make up our minds that yes, want to get well, and I'm not going to let others get in my way. Third, I got to get up and get moving. Got to get up and get moving. I can sit around all day and say, you know, I really do want to get well. I really do. And and boy, I can process how others have been in my way and say, you know, they've been in my way or they're holding me back or whatever. And I can sit there and spend the rest of my life thinking about how I do want to get well and how all the ways others are, are, are prohibiting me from doing that. Now, if that is going to be my response, I'm going to be sitting around that pool for the rest of my life. See, at some point, you've got to get up and get moving. Jesus said, get up. He had three commands. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, there is no indication in this passage of Scripture, that this invalid knows that this is Jesus who's talking to him. In fact, we'll find out later on, uh, if you'd read through the rest of the passage, that he had no idea, because later on when when the chief priests approached him and said, who did this? He had no idea. He said, I don't know, some stranger came. He came and he he left. He had no idea this was Jesus. So it wasn't that. This is Jesus, like in some of the other accounts that we see where people are, are crying out to Jesus, have mercy on me. This wasn't one of those accounts. This guy had no idea who Jesus was. All of a sudden, some guy says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, that guy, it would have been perfectly reasonable to say, well, who are you to tell me to get up and pick up my mat and walk? It would have been perfectly reasonable to say, are you out of your mind? Do you realize that I haven't stood on these limbs in 38 years? Have you ever heard of muscle? Muscles, what's the word? I'm losing it now. It begins with an A. Thank you. My muscles are atrophied. Don't, don't. I mean, there's all kinds of legitimate excuses he could have given to Jesus. He chose to blame others. But something in that guy began to pick up on the fact that this was an unusual day. That there was a presence here that he had never encountered before. And there was an opportunity here that he had never even considered before. And so Jesus said in an authoritative voice, if you look at the original language in Greek, Jesus said, of course, in Aramaic, he said, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Again, Jesus is gonna demonstrate that when a divine healing takes place, it's total. I mean, not only getting up would be tough enough, right? But then having the strength to pick up your bed and immediately start walking and just go home, that's a big order, that's a tall command. But the guy sensed something had just happened. Not because of his faith, Not even because of the faith of the others. in the story we looked at a couple weeks ago of of the friends letting the the invalid down before Jesus and breaking through the tiles in the house and Jesus said because of their faith, he got got healed. This is without any faith. This is just demonstrating the divine, eternal compassion that God has for you and me. In this case, faith had nothing to do with it. Except that the man is, got up, and he picked up his mat, and he began to walk. See, as we contemplate our infirmity, whether it be a physical one, whether it be a relational one, whether it be a financial one, whether it be a medical one, as we contemplate our infirmity, At some point, we gotta stop contemplating it. We gotta start doing something different because the definition of insanity, as we've shared before, is what? Doing things the exact same way while anticipating and expecting different results. If we continue to live in the same cycle that we're in, if we continue to embrace the same dysfunctions and blame it on other people or do whatever, We're not going to get well. We have to change something. Maybe for some of us, the challenge is is some kind of alcohol or drug addiction or pornography addiction or or, or something like that. And the people that we hang around feed that addiction. Well, see, if we're going to get up and get going, we've got to make some changes on who we're hanging around. Maybe if it's trying to lose some weight, as I've been working on, when I go to the grocery store, I can't be bringing junk into the house. That is going to sabotage what I'm trying to do. Because if it's there, how long is it going to go before we eat it, huh? See, we got to get up and we got to get going. We got to do something. Now, let me warn you that when you make up your mind you want to get well, when you stop blaming others, and when you start actually doing something about breaking the dysfunctional cycle that you're in, you can expect resistance. You would think everyone would be thrilled about that and happy about that, but that won't be the case. Nor was it in the case in this passage. Beginning of the second part of verse 9. <clears throat> said the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Now, let me just stop there. This was one of the reasons Jesus did this. And Jesus chose the Sabbath to do it. See, that guy had been there for 38 years. Could Jesus have gone the next day? Would the guy still have been there? Undoubtedly, he'd have still been there. (laughs) But one of the points of this whole account is, is not only what we're learning practically about getting well, But Jesus was making a point, he was making a statement that day, because by this time, the religious leaders and the scribes and the teachers had all fallen into almost a cultic relationship with the Sabbath. Now, God giving humanity the Sabbath day was not as much a command as it was a gift God was basically saying, listen, you can't go seven days a week, 24 hours a day without hurting yourself. You're going to burn yourself up. So let me give you a Sabbath day so that you can rest and you can refresh yourself with me, in worship of me, in relationship with me. But they had made the Sabbath, as some denominations do today, part of the salvation experience. That if you don't hold to the Sabbath, and you don't have all these rules of things you can and cannot do on the Sabbath, then you cannot, some people even believe today, cannot go to heaven. Now Jesus is demonstrating here the, 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 the misled or even the intentionally destructive legalism that was prevalent during his time within Judaism. And Jesus was saying, did this on the Sabbath just to make a point. And furthermore, who is the Lord of the Sabbath? Jesus, God, right? If anybody had a right to do it, he did it. So anyhow, so he did it purposely on the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Can you imagine? Think about this. Here's a guy who's been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years, this guy hasn't been able to walk. 38 years, this man has lived a much more challenging lifestyle than your, your average human being. And when all of a sudden, something, some force, we know it to be God, and they should have recognized it as God because only God has the power to, of life and the power of healing. you would have thought they'd been excited for this guy. Saying, wow, let's give him the name Joe. Wow, Joe, this is incredible. You're actually walking. We can't believe it. Look, you got strength. You could pick up your mat even. You picked up your bed, and there was no hesitation. You were able to go home. It's incredible. We're so happy for you. But no, in their legalistic outlook, they said, well, The Mishnah, see, which is a commentary on the Torah, which contains the law, had a bunch of rules. I mean, they broke this Sabbath thing down to how far you could walk on the Sabbath. And how much weight you could lift on the Sabbath. And what ingredients you could cook with on the Sabbath. I mean, they had a list of rules a mile long about... Observing the Sabbath, and one of the things was you couldn't carry a heavy load. So they said, "It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat." I mean, they totally glossed over the whole idea of the healing thing. They're more concerned with him lifting a weight that was too much weight to lift on the Sabbath day. Now, as I said before, the man went on said. They said, who's this guy who healed you? And he said, I don't know. And he was being honest because Jesus didn't announce himself. Jesus didn't make a big fanfare about this. As far as we know, this is the only guy Jesus healed that day. And then Jesus, it said, blended in with the crowd. And he walked away. Now later, he came back and found this guy in the temple. And he said to the guy, you've been healed, sin no more. But at this point, there was resistance, and this guy, unlike the blind man who, who, was, who, was, who was healed by Jesus in another instance, he was very bold about it. He says, I don't know what you guys are talking about. All I know is I was blind and now I'm not. Well, this guy, he was a little bit afraid. He was intimidated by these leaders, and he said, he said well, I don't know who the guy was, and this is what happened. It's not my fault, it's his fault. I don't know, you know. But listen. When you make up your mind, you want to get well. And when you get up and get moving, you would think, people would say, I'm so happy for you. I know you've been struggling with this issue for a long time. Uh, we've been concerned about you. I, I know that, that you, you've been living an inferior lifestyle because of this, and now I'm so happy for you. You're finally up on your feet, and you're, you're doing something about it, and, and I'm here for you. And what, what can, but but that may not happen because you are now part of somebody else's dysfunctional cycle in life and for you to break your part of that cycle is going to have a ripple effect on their dysfunction and the cycle they're living in and therefore they're not going to be happy about it. All of a sudden you're struggling with with drinking too much. all of a sudden, you're not going down to the bar after work with your buddies. and All of a sudden, you come on, what are you doing? Come on, come on down, just have one drink. You don't have to have it. You just come in. Boy, and I mean, they're, they're not going to support you. That spouse of yours may not support you. Because now you're challenging your spouse to make up their mind about their part of this dysfunction. So, no. Whether they be family members, whether they be coworkers, maybe a boss, whether it be nobody, when you start breaking your dysfunctional cycle and you start doing something to get well, you're going to get resistance. Not everyone is going to be on board with you. So don't be surprised when you get slapped down and everyone's not doing what you expect them to do and saying, cheering you on and so happy for you. But remember, when they do that, it's because you now are in their dysfunctional cycle, and you breaking your dysfunctional cycle is, helping, is causing them to reexamine their dysfunctional cycle. Finally, you've got to tap into Christ's power. I love how this passage ends in verse 16, 17. It says, so, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to him, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too. Now, I, let's look at that, that last sentence again, because uh, to me, it is so profoundly comforting and encouraging. He says, my father is whats what? Is what? Is what? Always at his work to this very day. what's his very work? What's what's the Father's work? The Father's work is forgiving. The Father's work is mercy. The Father's work is is forgiving. The Father's work is healing. Not just temporarily, but eternally. And Jesus reminds us here, and reminded those folks that day, That he, because he said, and me too, and God are always in the mindset to bring healing, to bring peace, to bring forgiveness, to bring salvation. So when you make up your mind that you want to break whatever the dysfunctional cycle is in your life, And you stop blaming others and accept that if there's going to be a change, you're the one who's going to have to act and initiate it. And you get up and you get moving and you experience some resistance. Here's what you hang your hat on. Here's what you put your hope on, that you're not alone. No matter how many people are resisting your change, the most important and most powerful force in your life is for you and not against you. That's God. Because he's always at his work of healing. He's always at his work of forgiving. He's always at his work of giving eternal life. So the question that this passage leaves us with today is do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? well? Here's the formula. Make up your mind. Right now. Right here. Do you sense the presence of God is here to make a difference in your life? And will you right now at this moment say, you know what? I'm not going to live this way any longer. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to stop waiting on others, whether it's to come along with me, to go to Weight Watchers with me, to, to go to some rehab with me, to, to, I'm going to stop waiting on others, I'm going to stop blaming others. I'm going to get up, I'm going to start moving. I'm going to start doing something about it today. I'm going to take action. I'm not going to stay in this dysfunctional cycle. Resistance may come. But I'm going to set my eyes. I'm going to set my heart. I'm going to set my spirit on the truth. That greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Philippians 4.13, read this with me. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Read it again. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And he's always at his work of giving us strength. Let's bow our heads. Right now, if this message has spoken to you, if this biblical account... Resonates with something in your life and for some it may not. But I believe for many it has. The most important part of this message today comes right now. What are you going to do with it? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about right now? Father, I pray that this message might have impact on those you're reaching out to right now. Lord, some of us are stuck in dysfunctional lifestyles, dysfunctional behaviors, dysfunctional addictions, dysfunctional relationships. And Lord, sometimes we resist doing anything about that because we've learned how to survive where we're at now. And actually, trying to change scares us. Makes us insecure. Because we know how to live where we're living, but we don't know if we can live on the other side. Well Lord, if that's our condition, help us to see you on the other side. You who are always at work bringing healing and peace opportunity, promise. So Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will have his work right now in every man and woman here today. And those who need to use this formula, God, I pray they will because you don't want them where they're at. You haven't created them to live a dysfunctional life. You've created us to have a spirit of power, not of timidity. A spirit of hope, not of discouragement. Lord, help us realize that today. Help us to tap into you, into your word, into prayer, into Christian counselors, into whatever force it is that you have provided us that we might get up, pick up our mat, and start walking healthy again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.